Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series entitled, Abraham, the Father of Our Faith. For more information about CBC or how you can get plugged in, visit the website, cbcsavannah.com. Father, we come to your word now. We worship through singing. We've sang of our communion with you, our union with you through Christ. And now we, we come to the living and active word of God, which is, which is powerful, which is true, which is literally from your breath. It's, it's, it's your inspiration to us and it's your word to us and it's for us to know you and know what your thoughts are and to know your direction for our lives. And so I pray as we finish out the life of Abraham today, that we I would remember those things. Here was a man, in many ways like us, and he walked by faith. Um, that ours would be a journey of faith like his. There'll be ups, there'll be downs, there'll be brokenness, there'll be pains, but, but he finishes well. And I pray that, that for us, as we be a church that run and finish well. And may this just be one piece of encouraging to that. I just ask for your strength and your help because you, you just know where I've been and you know my, my worst more than anyone. And so I, I can't in my own strength and my own ability uh, teach. I just can't. And so I ask you to help me. I, I pray that your spirit would go ahead of me and that all of us in here, that your spirit would just be speaking wherever we're at, just individual needs, that you know us more than anyone. And so that each one would hear what they need to hear to run the race well. Uh, that's what I ask. And, and that's something you have to do, Lord. And I pray that you would by your spirit and for the name of Christ, amen. Thanks, you guys can have a seat. We are going to be in Genesis 25 as we close out this. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one close to you. You can grab that one. You can take it home with you if you don't have one. Genesis, the first book, just means beginnings. First book of the entire Bible. So you just open up right in the beginning, find chapter 25. We're gonna be there just for this week. We are moving on next week, but um, for one more week. Um, When I first met my wife, Long ago, when I was a young man, uh, I, I don't know how the conversation happened, but somehow I, I, I told her about the movie Braveheart. I, that's probably not wise. That was probably not a good conversation, but I was dumb and 22. But, and I was amazed that she had never seen Braveheart. I mean, I was stunned. So what did I do? I, I invited her over to my parents' house where I was living without a job, which is why she couldn't date me anyway, because I was living in my parents' without a job. Another story. That's last week's sermon. Um, but brought her over, put in the VCR Braveheart, thinking I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is gonna be impressive. She is gonna walk away thinking this is, this is magnificent. And this is just proof that the whole opposites attract thing is true. She said, that is, that is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. She didn't even watch it. She's like, I don't even understand what happened. I'm like, are you kidding me? Next to Darth Vader, this is the greatest thing ever in the world. All right, this should be Oscars, right? And it has nothing to do with anything. I just figured we talked about dating last week. And, but I did have a, that tie into Braveheart. There is, there's this great line at the end of this movie, and I haven't seen it in years, but I Googled it. And, and here's Mel Gibson. He's about to die. He's in chains. He's looking so just chill. He's just right there. And then there's this princess, and she's crying. It's gonna, you're gonna die. It's gonna be awful. And she's kind of weeping. He's just kind of looking there like he's the man. And he says this to her. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. And I'm like, yes. That just makes you want to go start a rebellion, doesn't it? Let's throw some tea in the river and roll. Uh, Okay. 
not every, every man dies, not every man truly, really lives. And, and we're coming to the end of Abraham's life. And Moses is going to, in, uh, not in the exact words, but he's in essence going to say that about Abraham. In fact, this is how he closes out Abraham's life. He says this, Abraham breathed his last and died at good old age, an old man full of years. Not because he was old were they full of years. Other translations get the idea. He, his life was long and satisfying is one translation. He was an old man, the New American Standard says, satisfied with life. Not every man really lives. Abraham really lived, right? And we spent the last four months looking at the last hundred years of his life. And we started, where did we start? We started, he was a 75-year-old dude. He's a moon-worshiping guy living in modern-day Mesopotamia, Iraq, Iran, in that area. God shows up, makes three amazing promises. I'm gonna make you a great nation. I'm gonna make you a great name. I'm gonna make you a great blessing. And you, all the nations of the world are gonna be blessed. And we've seen him step out. We saw great courage at times. He goes all William Wallace and goes out and rescues Lot and kills all these kings. We saw great courage there, great boldness. We saw great cowardice when he sells his wife out multiple times, right? We saw him fail with Ishmael and that whole deal. And we saw him great victory on top of the mountain. We saw him lose his spouse and find a spouse for his son. Full life, full, satisfied, right? And, and, and what we're gonna do just one more time is look at this guy. We're looking at him 15, 16 weeks. So we can identify ourselves in the story because his story, just like ours, we're just one piece, like he's one piece of the big thing that God is doing. And there's things to learn and there's things to follow and there's things to glean from even this guy's end of his race. Because I don't know about you, at the end of, of your life, at the end of your race, don't you want it to say, he lived. It was full. When, when that gravestone is put up, and in mine will say 1974, dash. Don't you want that dash to mean full, satisfied? Right? That, that's, 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 I think, our desire. And so we're going to look at it. Dash doesn't mean easy. Dash doesn't mean unchallenging. But we want it to mean full. And so we're going to learn some things just from this little portion of Scripture. And really, as we kind of summarize Abraham's life just for us so that we, when we, when we're at the end we can say every man dies not every man truly really lives so let me read just our entirety of our text and we'll come back and pick some pieces out and make some points chapter 25 verse 1 Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah she bore him Zimran, Joksan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak and Shua Joksan fathered Sheba and Dedan and the sons of Dedan were Asurim Let's just, yeah, yeah, and Lemim, yeah. And, and the sons of Midian were Ephaph, Epher, Hanak, Abida, and Eldah. And these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac, eastward to the east country. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zoar, the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There, Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. 
It starts out and it says, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. He's an old man at this point, right? Chapter 24, verse 1 said he was old and advanced in years. He was 137 when his wife died. At the beginning of chapter 24, he was 140 when he finds Isaac, his wife. Right? So he's not a young pup. Right? And what could happen real easy for him is just to kind of, you know, mail it in. Well, I'm done. Sarah's gone. Isaac's got a wife. And just kind of coast kind of maybe feel sorry for himself well woe is me no one comes to see me anymore right but you know what old boy is not done there's a spark left in his in his mind and heart and so what does he do he goes and gets married again right? and, and there's this debate if you read the commentaries some would say well she's called a concubine later and a wife here that means he married her when Sarah was still alive I don't think so For multiple reasons. Number one, Moses puts this after all that. Number two, I think he's not dumb enough to do what he did the first time with Hagar. He'd learned that lesson, right? So, but Sarah is gone. He gets married again, right? He could have stopped. He could have just coasted, but he starts, and not just get married. He has kids, six of them. Can you imagine a 163-year-old dude with little ones? Running around, breaking up fights, eat your vegetables, get outside and stop bothering your mom. That's Abraham. He's still, he's still moving forward. Little guys in his lap, selling sheep, doing all these things, right? That's Abe. And, and here's, here's, the first, here's the first thing for us. First lesson from just the end of this guy's life, how he finishes the course, how he's full at the end, how that dash means satisfied. It's, it's the principle of it's it ain't over till it's over. Yogi Berra, right? The great yogi. It's not over till it's over. Here's a guy, he still has 20% of his life ahead of him. So he is living it to the fullest. He's not quitting, get busy living or get busy dying, right? That's, that's, his, that's what he's doing. For his dash to be full, he is not going to stop. He's not gonna quietly slip into obscurity. He's gonna live life to the fullest, to the end. Right? For, for the Christian, there, there is no, I'm done, I'm, I'm on the sidelines now mentality. For the Christian, there's no spectator side to this life. While you have breath, while you have life, you are living it to the God's glory to the fullest. That is Abe. I mean, he could have just sat on the porch and got grumpy and yelled at kids, stop being so loud. Go down the field. He could have been that. He doesn't. He says, I'm going to have more kids. Six of them, six boys. Doesn't the guy have girls? I don't know, but he's got all these boys. He's not done. And there is a temptation as we grow older to start turning inward and, and becoming about me. And it's not just, it's not just older folks. You're like, yeah, my grandmother's like that. You see it in your 30s. You see it, folks, in their 40s, where they just start turning inward and everything becomes about me. And we just turn like, well, I've done my time. It's your time now, whatever that means. I've, I've got my stripes, it's your time now. And we just start thinking about me, 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 me. And it's all about me and we turn narcissistic. And when you, when you give in to narcissism, what it turns into is pessimism. You see this all the time. People, well, everything's so bad. The government, who's gonna be our president? Oh my goodness, the, the youth of this nation are so bad. And technology and the news. And, and, and you just turn pessimistic. Everything's miserable. Oh, my knees hurt and all my head hurts and I'm always sad and the food stinks and blah, blah, blah. And when you turn pessimistic, you ultimately turn fatalistic. Uh, there's no reason to live. You know, you no sense of humor. 
it, it starts with that inward focusness where I'm thinking about me, right? And Abe is none of those. To the end, he's looking up, he's looking out. And so he still has more kids. And in doing so, understand this, God is not done fulfilling his promises through Abraham. He has all these kids in two through four, right? Can't pronounce their names, but, but they are fulfillments of God's promise. Back in chapter 17, God said, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. He's only got two nations right now. That's not many. He's got Isaac and he's got Ishmael. He's more fulfillment, more God using him. He's got all these kids now. They become the ites of all this, the Hesherites and the Mizzites. And he's, more nations are coming. Why? Because he doesn't, he doesn't just quit. He lives light to the fullest. And, and here's what we see in the church, as a church as a whole, not CBC per se. We see a lot of folks real in their 20s, passionate for God. And yeah, and I'm gonna do camp and I'm gonna be, woo. And then they get to their 30s. And then they get to their 40s. And, and, you see very few running well 60s, 70s, 80s. There's just this scarcity of gray hair, godly gray hair, or for some of y'all, godly no hair, whatever it is, right? And, and I'm thankful in this, uh, this church has got some great bald dudes and gray hairs. We do. But this is the pattern you see. Running hard when you're young, where are you at when you're, you're older? It's like when I was a PE teacher and I did the presidential physical fitness test every year. Take the kids out in the field, and I tell them every time, all right, this is a long race, it's a mile. Don't, don't go fast at the beginning, y'all. Got it? Yes, sir. What do they do? As soon as the, the whistle goes, boom, they bust out. They run about 100 yards. They won the 100-yard dash, and then they walk the rest. And except when they get right like 10 feet from me when they come around, they jog. They run for 10 feet and then, then just stop. I'm like, I can see 20 feet. <laughs> just so you know, the field's only like 100 yards. But that's how, that's how some of us run the Christian life. We only run when we're by the coach. Or we run real good up front and then we're just, uh, it's, it's a young man's game. It's, it's not my time anymore. We want to be a people that set a pace for ourselves. That we don't just bust out, oh, yeah, and then we, and we'll quit by the time we're 30. That there's a trajectory in our lives where you're running the race to the end. Now, is it seasonal? Yes. When you're 20, you have energy. You're, you, you can stay up till 12 at night, and there's no problem the next morning. When you're my age, you make the evening news, you're like, yes, I'm going to bed. Right? <laughs> Got to get up early. Yes, it's seasonal. Yes, you can do certain things, but you are never out. As long as you have life, God says, live it to the fullest, live it for my glory, enjoy it. It is a gift. We've been talking about this. This is not new, but that's Abraham. Set that trajectory. And here's the key to it, okay? Here, here, just understand this. Instead of looking down and in about me, 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 look up and out. That you have every, everybody here has 24 hours tomorrow. You have tomorrow. That you would wake up, some of you at five, some of you at nine, some of you at noon, and you need to be up at nine. But you would see the 24 hours that God has for you tomorrow as opportunity. Just one day. Don't, look at, don't think about Thursday. Thursday stresses me out. Think about Monday. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to just make good choices, right? I am going to look for opportunities out there 
where I am not thinking about me, I'm thinking about others. This is what that looks like, real practically. Because so you go into the, to the coffee break area at 9.17 tomorrow morning, and what do you find? An empty coffee pot. And so what are you tempted to do? Walk out and come back in 10 minutes so someone else fills that bad boy up, right? And, and oh, so I didn't know the coffee was empty, <laughs> but thank you, right? No, you walk in and there's an empty coffee, then you are serving other people by just, you're gonna take care of that right behind the scenes. That's just, that's just a little thing. You're like, that's just a little thing. It's a big thing because you're thinking up and out. It's, it's high schooler when mom says, when the trash can is filled, take it out, empty it. Don't get the milk carton and start it. It won't go down. So you're standing on the milk carton just so you don't have to take the garbage out. Take the garbage out, right? I know it's like 14 feet to the trash can. That's a long way for you. But it's, think, it's up and out. That's, that's all it is. It's, it's looking at every day simply as an opportunity. I'm going to spend my time and energy today on things that, that, that make wise choices that glorify God. I'm going to stay away from grumpy, selfish people because I don't want to be like them and I'll say hi to them. But I'm going to, I'm going to pour over here towards people. I'm going to linger. We don't linger well. I don't linger well. I just don't. I'm thinking about the next thing. I'm going to go to a meal like, and, and I got to leave the phone over here because I'm going to get three emails in the context of a meal and, and I'm not going to linger. I'm not going to listen to the kids tell silly riddles because I want to get up to the next thing. No, we, we need to linger in that moment. We need to read, the kids want you to read another chapter. Well, I just read a paragraph. That's done for tonight. Now we're going to linger a little longer and we're, we're going to live this moment well. We're going to try new things. Some of y'all are stuck in a rut in life because every Tuesday is Taco Tuesday. Yay, Taco Tuesday. Maybe it should be Sushi Tuesday this week. Maybe you should try sushi. Some of you are like, I would never eat that. I, I, did, I came to Savannah, I had never eaten sushi. And, and your elder, Greg McGinney, opened me to the life of, of the Philly roll and the California roll, and my life has never been the same. All right? Hey, try something new. You always have the Smiths over on Thursday night. Well, why don't you have the Joneses on Wednesday? Radical, right? Do, do something new. It is, it is life. It is a gift. And you got opportunities all around you. Look for these things, right? Or do something old. You read that book. You loved it. Read it again. There's nothing wrong with that. Read it again. You've been married for 40 years. Take her out on a date again, right? It's, it's taking the moment that is in front of you and living it. It's waking up and saying, I am not too smart and too godly that I can't learn something today. Right? I, I can still grow. If Peter, at the end of his, of his letter, who, who walked with Jesus closer than most of us ever will, if he can say grow in the grace and the knowledge, I don't care if, you've been, if you're 96 and you've been saved since you're four years old, you can still learn things even from a PE teacher. You can still grow. We are going to shrink physically, lose hair, gain it on our back. That is normal. What we want to do, though, is we look back at the end of our life and we have grown maturity in the name of the Lord. That we look more like Christ. Physically, we look more like Yoda, but spiritually, we look more like Christ. That's a full life. And so ask, what can I learn this week? What can I be reminded of that I remember? He's, we, I knew that. Right? Each day is a fresh opportunity. There's still people to love. There's still places to go. There's still grandkids to visit. There's still treasure in heaven to be stored up. It's not over till it's over. 
run with endurance. That's, that's the first thing, right? And, and young folks, I'm, I'm telling you this because I know that there's a temptation to say, well, I'll do that when I'm 40. You set this trajectory now. If you don't do it when you're 22 or whatever, you won't when you're 62. You set the trajectory, pace yourself. Don't go out, you know, sprinting. But I'm going to run with endurance. I'm going to persevere to the end. It's huge. That's what Abraham does. And he lives a full life. Second thing is this. This is a big one. And this is message of the life of Abraham. Is don't let your failures, don't let your past define you. Abraham, any, have any failures? A few. I mean, there's the whole harem thing. One decision he made, one bonehead move, it's... It's only blown up the Middle East for 4,000 years now. That's not a big deal. I mean, people die every day because of the decision he made. Most of your decisions are not going to have that much impact. But he doesn't let him, it doesn't stop him. Did he fail with his kids? Yes. Did he fail with his faith? Yes. But he doesn't let his lying, he doesn't let his besetting sins stop him. In your dash, 19 whatever dash, there will be many mistakes. You're going to mess up with your kids. You're going to buy when you should have sold. You're going to get fired. You're going to do this. And you were like, oh, why did they do that? Why did they say that? There is going to be a plethora of mistakes. But that does not define you, Christian. It just doesn't. If you are in Christ... What defines you? Christ. Because God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. You are identified as Christ. It is his righteousness. So you got to ask the question, despite your past, is the blood of Jesus Christ sufficient to cover fill in the blank? And the answer is yes. You got to ask the question, is the love of God the Father vast enough, big enough, enormous enough to keep you as a child of God? The answer is yes. Is the Holy Spirit strong enough, powerful enough to seal you for the day of redemption? The answer is yes. So yes, I know you got divorced 15 years ago. Is that, that doesn't define you. Christ defines you. Thank goodness the Bible is filled with, it's chock full of a bunch of people that were mess ups like me, that didn't stop them. I mean, if, if, if mess ups stop these guys, we wouldn't have a New Testament. I mean, if Peter was gonna let his denial of Jesus stop him, well, where's the book of Acts? Where's First and Second Peter? If Paul is like, man, I can't do anything. I killed people for, I, I persecuted the church. Well, there goes the whole New Testament. If Mark says, well, I quit on Paul and Barnabas and I'm just a loser, well, we lose a gospel. If Moses says, man, I tried this thing when I was young and delivering these Israelites, I failed when I was 40, what am I gonna do when I'm 80? If he gives up, we don't have Israel out of Egypt. If David's like, man, I messed up with Bathsheba, we don't have the greatest king of Israel. I mean, go down the line. But your failures do not define you. That's called grace. That, that's, that's being in Christ. And so in let, instead of letting these things define you, let them propel you. What Abraham does, and you see it in this chapter, you see it in his life, he learns from his mistakes. So he, he tried to manipulate God and control and, and have his own kid with Ishmael. Big mistake. But what does that do? 
What does that propel him to do? He has such faith now in God and his faithfulness. He is willing to take a knife and throw it into the heart of Isaac because he believes so greatly that God has to do something through this child. So he's either gonna stop me or he's gonna raise him from the dead. He went from weakness to strength. He learned. He learned, he sent Ishmael off. Remember he sent Ishmael off and, and he was almost dead in the desert. He didn't provide for him. He just kind of sent him out. Well, in this chapter we saw... We read it. He provides for these kids this time. He sends them out, but this time he gives them gifts. He's learned. Look, you, the solution to your fast failure as dating, oh, I, I dated poorly and I was impure and I had all these all bad relationships. The solution is not, I'm never going to date again. The solution is, I'm never going to date like that again. The solution to, well, I, I failed in my first marriage is not, I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut because I just don't know what I'm talking about. It's for you to grab some of these young folks and say, here's what I did and it was, I was a knucklehead. You can learn from me. The solution for the past, just maybe you had an abortion. Maybe you did something you're so regretful. It's not, oh, I can't, I can't be used by God. I'm just looking at what I did. It's for you to take that and propel you and go to those and say, I've experienced grace. You can experience grace now. Write a book, write a blog, encourage people. That's the solution. It's not to just wallow in their misery and say, oh, I'm done. I can't be used by God. Your dash will be full of mistakes. It's not gonna limit God. He's, he's, he's okay. He's bigger. And, and I don't want us to be, oh, uh, we come in here, oh, woe is us. We're a bunch of worthless. No, you're not. If you're worthless, then why did Jesus die for you? I mean, why did he, if you're just, oh, forget that group. Why did he die? You're not worthless, precious. Don't let your failures slow you down, right? You ain't over till it's over. Don't let your past define you. Let it propel you, right? Let it propel you. Here's the third thing Abraham does that makes his life full. He passes the baton. I was a runner, didn't run sprints because I was slow. So they said, you need to run long distance. Okay, I'll run long distance but I've saw them run fast distance and, and I've watched the Olympics. And, and you realize that a race, especially a fast race, a four by 100, a four by 400, a race is won or lost in the handing off of the baton. I mean, these guys practiced passing the baton to each other, these gals, hours upon hours, just that little boop. It's just like that, but that's where the race is won or lost. It doesn't matter who's the fastest. It doesn't matter who's the quickest at the gate. You, if you don't get the baton to the other person, you lose. And this happened, by the way, to the USA in 2008. We had been on the podium in the four by 100 since like 1916. I mean, every year there's, there's an American male or female on the podium. In 2008, both the male and the female four by 100, they're winning going into the last lap. They're favored to be on the stand, going into the last leg and both of them dropped the baton and no American on the stand for the first time. And they were the fastest, they were the quickest, they were the best. Didn't pass the baton. Abraham passes the baton to his family. Not only physically, I mean, we see that in verse five, he says he gave all he had to Isaac. And, and it sounds kind of sad that he sends off the other ones. He sends the other ones while he's alive to the east. It's not though, because he's taking God at his word and God said, this land is Isaac's. And he's not treating them like second class citizens. He's just doing what God said. He provides them gifts and he provides them and sets them up for success. But he also sets Isaac up for success, which is what we see. Because the next thing you see is Isaac is now walking with God. 
And then the next thing you see after that is Jacob is walking with God. And if you do the math a little bit, actually Abraham gets to hang out with Jacob and Esau a little bit. Jacob and Esau are the grandkids. He gets to be with them for 15 years. And I can guarantee you at some point he had them little boys on his lap. Esau means hairy. So he's got hairy boy here. He's got Jacob boy here. And he's telling him, hey, your grandmama, she was hot. And, and, and I did this one time and we went, oh, and he tells him. And then I, I, was like, I took your daddy up on the mountain one time. I was going to kill him, but I didn't kill. And he tells all those stories. And guess what? Jacob, he becomes a worshiper. And then Jacob's sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel they become worshipers. He passes the baton. Wasn't perfect. Wasn't a perfect dad. They weren't perfect. But guess who's in the Hall of Fame of Faith? Isaac's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Jacob's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. His grandson in the Hall of Fame of Faith. He passes it. One of the, the failures of the church is to pass the baton to other people. And this is the reason why is because we turn inward. We start looking at ourselves. That's my pew. That's my seat. What's that young buck doing in my seat? Did you see that, those, that lady's kids? They're coloring during Pastor Bill's sermons. Can't believe they're not listening to the word of God. My kids color during my sermons, just so you know. Right? That, that person didn't even bring a Bible. They're, they're reading on their phone. Can you believe that? How pagan is that? And it just becomes this, this inward focus. We're better than you. That's my, this is the way we used to do it. And we fail to reach those outside and we fail to pass the baton. And this is how good churches who have good doctrine and love the Bible die. Because it's about them. They don't look out and up. Abraham is looking out and up. And it is our job. See, every generation in this church needs a cheerleader. Every one of them. That from, the, from the little guys, unless you are the oldest person in this church, and I don't know who that is, all right? I could name names, but I'm not going to. But the oldest person in this church, that's the only person that doesn't have someone older than them cheering them on. Every generation needs a cheerleader. If you didn't, why are we here? You could just watch, you could listen to the podcast. You need cheerleader, I need cheerleader. And it is your job, it is my job to pass the baton to other people. And I saw this in a beautiful way in this church this week. And it wasn't an older person, by the way. I kind of snuck in on the gathering on Wednesday night. Make sure Talavo's not a heretic. He's pretty good. He's a good guy. He's, he's, he's on the level. But what he did is he had all these high school seniors sharing with the younger high school kids and saying, they're just giving their stories and they're giving advice. Now you're like, what 18-year-old has any life? Well, more than a 15-year-old. And it was great to hear these 18-year-olds kind of feeding into this younger. That's passing the baton. I, I, last night, we're hanging with friends and two young men that have been at this church since the beginning and I saw them when they were, woo, now they're, woo. They took my son, I didn't even know it, and they, they're six, seven years older and they just said, Here's what you need to know. Number one, your dad is brilliant. <laughs> but they just took him aside. And I'll tell you what, he don't, sometimes he don't listen to me, but he'll listen to this guy because he's 21 and a stud. That is what the church does. I'm just telling you. And it's at every level. That's what I'm talking about, passing the baton. I, that's what I'm talking about. Pass the baton to someone else. A full life, y'all, is a life where you look around and people are like, because of that person, I'm where I'm at. This person told me about Christ. This person encouraged me in my marriage. This person took my kids so we could get out. Th that, is a, that is a life that is full. 
It's a full life. We think, oh, you gotta be Billy Graham. You don't gotta be Billy Graham. It's just you. You impacting the people in your sphere, wherever they are, period. Most of you or all of you in this church that actually enjoy coming here or have been fed in some way, you're being impacted by a woman you've never heard of in 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 a certain way. I called her gang gang. She was my grandmother. And she used to tell me and she told my wife when she first met her, she said, I love all my grandkids, but there's something about Billy. And I'm like, that's right. (laughs) And this woman got married at 18, had my dad like nine months later. Used to go to her house a couple times a year, climb trees, break limbs. She didn't care. She'd make me some cinnamon toast, feed me some Fruit Loops let us sleep on her floor. My grandfather would have to tiptoe around all the grandkids. She loved it. And I remember this about her. She would send these tapes like two or three times a year. These these things called tapes, young folks. You put them in a tape player, right? And you could actually hit play and record at the same time and speak into a microphone. She would do that. She would send them to me and she would do things like she'd read books to me. I only saw her like twice a year. She'd read these little books and she'd tell, this is gang gang, I'm praying for you and blah, blah, blah. And she, she would, all the time, she, this is a woman who taught Sunday school until her church kicked her out because they thought she was too old. This is a woman who had loved these little, she had orphans and missionaries she would pray for. And she prayed for me. Even when I was a pagan, running around at 19 years old at the Citadel, she's praying for me. She's praying for, for my future spouse, which by God's grace, her prayers answered. I, I, I meet a godly woman who's encouraged me and, and moved me. And, and I am only here today because of a gang gang. Which means if you ever learn anything from a sermon, gang gang had a piece of that. See, that is a full life. And she never worked a job outside the home. But she had an impact that's, that's what we're talking about. There's an influence on someone else's life for Christ. That, that's what we want. That's full. That's what we want. It ain't over till it's over. All right, passing the baton. Don't let failures define you. And one more thing. We'll close with this. Abraham is mentioned throughout the Bible. I mean, he's all over the New Testament. All over the Gospels, he's all over Paul, he's all over James. One of the favorite things that the New Testament says about Abraham, for me, is this. That he was a friend of God. That Abraham was a friend of God. Here's what James says. Scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. He was called the friend of God. Of God, And it's in the passive voice. It's not he said, I'm God's friend. It's God is calling Abraham, he's my friend. God calls him. Why did God do it? He says it in the verse. Because Abraham believed him. I mean, not perfectly. We've seen that. But the pattern of his life, read Hebrews 11, four times he's mentored. By faith, he left his homeland. By faith, he lives as an alien and stranger. By faith, he had a baby way too old. By faith, he passed the test where he almost killed his son. He, he, he believed and he obeyed God. Very simple. He was a friend of God. And here's, here's the, really, if you get nothing else, get this. You want a full life? Then live your life as a friend of God. See, this is why you were created. Ultimately. I mean, you were created 
for relationship. And, and, and one of the reasons friends, and then you enjoy friends, earthly friends, one of the reasons that so, brings so much contentment sometimes, and you can just hang out for hours or good, because it's a picture of what you were designed for, this relationship with God. And the ultimate fulfillment for our lives and joy and contentment comes from being the friend of God. And so Jesus tells his disciples, he says this, in his, in his last night with them, this is my commandment, that you, that, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Notice Jesus is looking out and up. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. Servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you, my friends, for all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. And then the next verse, we don't have it up there. It says, I chose you to be my friends. It's not that we chose God, that God chose us to be his friends and to bear fruit. Jesus says, you're my friends. And think about what, a, what does a friend do? A friend tells them things. A friend hangs out. A friend loves each other. A friend doesn't blow them off. What kind of friend is like, well, I know that you hate this, so I'm gonna do that. And I know that you say this, so I'm gonna do the opposite. That's not a friend. Jesus says, here's my friends. You hear what I have to say. I got things to tell you. I got stuff from the Father, stuff I want you to know. I wanna hang with you. I wanna know you. I want you to know me. And I just want you to follow me. That's a friend. It's completely opposite of what everything in the world is telling you. The world is telling you, if you wanna be happy and satisfied and full, do what you want. Do what you want. Sleep with what you want. Act how you want. Go where you want. Do what you want. And Jesus says, if you want life full, do what I want. Because I'm the one who's come to give life and give it abundantly. And, and, and so, and it's simplest thing. This is why what we tell us, what we say here is, we just want to equip you in a simple way to follow Christ through communing the Bible. What does a follower of Christ does? Just follows Christ. When, when he says, this is bad. These websites you're looking at, bad. You, you turn. When he says, hey, I want you to go over here and do this and love on this person, you go. When he says, I want you to forgive this person, you go. When I want you, you just follow what Christ says. That's what a follower does. They just follow. And Christian life is, is not super complicated. It may be difficult, but it's not complicated. We have a king. He calls us his friend. He says, I want to tell you stuff about me, about you, about my father, about life. You want to listen? That, that's the Christian life. It's just, it's just, and it's not Sunday. This is not the Christian life. In the South, it is. This is not it. It's when you, it's tomorrow, fresh opportunities to follow Christ. Tomorrow morning, fresh opportunities. Wednesday afternoon, that, that's, that's where we're going and following that place, right? It's not complicated, but it's not always easy. And so I would say this, just, you want a full life? Be a friend of God. Walk daily with him. You fall, you, uh, I fell this week many times. Does it change God's love? No. Tomorrow is a new day. Fall, get up. If your dash is gonna be full at the end, just walk daily with the Lord Jesus. Just walk daily with him. It's not over till it's over. Your failures don't keep you out. Don't let them, they don't, they don't slow you down. Pass the baton, walk daily, right? Every man dies. Not every man truly lives. Don't you wanna truly live? 
Don't you want to truly live? Abraham lived a full life. It's our prayer that we would as well. Let me pray and we'll worship. Father, you have given us life, life abundant in your son, in the next day. We don't know when the end of the race is. And so just help us run well to complete the course, to finish the race, to enjoy the gift. I thank you for Abraham, for his example, for his model. Uh, I thank you that he ran to the end. And one day we'll meet him and we'll get to ask him questions and we'll get to rejoice with him and look forward to that. But Lord, as we run now, give us strength, keep us faithful, speak to us, encourage us with your spirit and by your love so that we walk closely with you. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. You guys stand and we'll sing.